And the Bible reads, now go ahead and read verse 35 through 48. It says, do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest? Uh, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. That's our memory verse. Already, here's the tell in, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Now, that's that's powerful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Verse 37, for here the saying holds true. One sows and other reaps. And verse 38 says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. That's very powerful because oftentimes a lot of young people, they want to overly work. And my, the main point that I want to cover today is that we were never meant to labor as the world labors. What is the difference between the Christian labor and the worldly labor? What's the big difference between those two? Or some differences of those two? Different goals, yep. What's the difference between the Christian labor and the world labor? The worldly labor? The audience, yep. What's another one more? The difference between how the world go gets it and how we should go get it. And what we're going after, the differences of the two. One more, because you know I do things, things in threes. One more. It can be anything. Just throw some random. Goals, audience, and what else? And we can stick with two. Let me bring this in some context. What Jesus is saying here is that um, the goal of the believer is to reach souls. For what? Our goal as believers is to labor to reach souls. For what purpose? What Jesus was saying here is that, and I kind of break it down a little bit. We said the memory verse was, do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. We talked about that and see that the fields are white for harvest. This context kind of uh, alludes to the fact that maybe from afar off, the young woman that went to Samaria to get her friends or her men's and afar off, he was trying to give the illusion that right now y'all came back from getting food. You see me working out or being fed by my food, which is the will of God. And now you're seeing that just a few minutes ago, I sold into this young woman. And now in the moment of me sowing into her, changing her life, now the harvest is coming right now. So he's given the disciples a visual of the process of sowing and reaping in the same moment. And what he was saying was, is that um, uh, already the one who reaps is receiving away. So he says the one who reaped, right? He reaped, uh, reaped a soul. And after reaping one soul has now reaped the harvest of a whole community. And as believers, our goal should be such a, a sower and reaper simultaneously that the moment I uh, uh, sow into a young person or sow into a husband or sow into a wife, that I have the potential to reach that whole family. And he says, already the one who is reaping, receiving his wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the goal is to get souls into eternal life. Your mission in life, the ultimate mission of your life shouldn't be to make a bunch of money. 
Their ultimate mission in life is not to make it to the league and have a 16-year career in the league. Their ultimate goal in life shouldn't be um, to even have an, a, an amazing family. The goal in life, the goal is for souls to have eternal life. My goal right now is for my daughter to receive God at an early age. My goal is not just to hopefully she marries a good man or the goal for her is for her to have business and, and inheritances. That's not my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal when I look in the eyes is my goal before at least four or five years old, before six years old, is to be enough expression of a godly man that makes you want to love God like I love him, which opens her heart up to receive salvation. And he says, uh, already the one who reaps his receiving way, he says, I'm already receiving and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. That's powerful. He's saying, I've done the hard work. The Christian was never meant to labor like the world. The Christian was never meant to have the mentality of having 2023 goals being X, Y, and Z alone. The, the ultimate goal for the believer is to be a soul that can reap souls. Now, as believers, we have to understand the power of a soul. The reason why we're not reaping or reaching souls is because we don't even have our soul together. What's the state of your soul right now? Like right now, if Jesus was to come back today, how many of y'all would go to heaven? That's a real question. Because there's going to be a real moment when he cracks that eastern sky. And some of us going to meet him there or some of us going to have our feet still here. That's a real thing you have to process. That's not something that's like uh, 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 um, um, Chronicles of Narnia. It's not a, 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 a type of story that is fiction. Like this is real. And my soul has to be. Uh, in a place where I'm like, what is my mission for my life? Let's read some uh, uh, scriptures on labor. But before I do, let me give you a definition of labor. I think I put it in here. Or maybe I put it right here. Labor by definition means uh, work, especially hard physical work. So right now, you guys may not be laboring as of yet, but your work ethic speaks volumes. And the mission of your work ethic speaks even more volumes. But let's read some scripture that talks about labor, and then we're going to break some points. We'll break some points down on how we as believers should be laboring for souls having eternal life. Uh, one scripture that says here, Matthew eleven twenty 20 says, come to me, all who labor. And who are what? You remember, anybody know the scripture? Heavy laden. Labor and laden are two totally different things. Uh, and I will give you rest. So the goal is for rest. We'll break that down in a minute. Labor means those who's overly working. Why are you even in school? Why are you even uh, trying to go to lead? Why are you even trying to be successful? A lot of people are laboring unnecessarily. They're laboring from stress and not rest. Jesus said, come to me all who labor. <clears throat> laboring for success, laboring for attention. Right now, a lot of you all are laboring for attention. Some of you all, I'm not, maybe not they all in this room, are laboring in relationships that are making you tired. Laboring in friendships that are making you tired. Laboring in career paths. Oh, you're, you're, you're getting straight A's, but be, will be still be a failure in life. What's the point of getting straight A's in school and get a bunch of F's in life? 
So many people are laboring to make their dad proud, laboring to make their mom proud. That's too much labor. The goal in life is for us not to labor from a place of stress, but to labor from a place of rest. So when you're a child and you understand, maybe we'll talk about this later, what laboring from rest means, you'll be able to say, hey, despite what my mom wants me to do, despite what my dad wants to do as far as a career, I'm not going to stress to labor for them. He says, come to me all who are labor, <clears throat> all who labor and are heavy laden. Can someone look at the definition of laden for me? I forgot to write that down. I can look at it. Oh, so you got me? Someone got, thanks, man. You got me? Laden? Laden. Yeah, okay. Come to me all who labor. He didn't say some of you all. He says anyone can come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Heavy, oh, uh, say it again. Heavily, heavily loaded or weighted down. Loaded. Can you really hoop efficiently, effectively on a full stomach? No. Can you really run, what's the, what's the, what's the fastest? Is it 440 or 4, what's, what is it? 432. Can you really run that with a 25-pound book back? No, if you can, you're a beast, <laughs> right? Heavy laden means I'm loaded emotionally. I'm heavy laden. Do you know how much emotion, like right now, if you step, I said this, I don't know if I said it with you, I've talked to a lot of people, say these kind of metaphors over and over again. Who has stepped on a scale lately, recently? Right? Do you know that that scale lies to you every single day? It lies to you how? Because that scale cannot weigh emotions. That scale cannot weigh thoughts. Some of you all, you step on a scale and your head is heavy laden. Your heart is heavy laden. Your heart weighs 50 pounds. Your thoughts, your mind weighs 60 pounds because you're heavy laden about, about life. What are some things that y'all's age group are heavy laden emotionally about or mentally about? What are some heavy laden stuff that you all go through as, as teenagers? Any example? Breakups, Breakups yeah. Break, oh. breakups. Number two. Okay, breakups. What you say? Uh, oh. we say step. Careers. And say it again. Um, Samaj. Parents not being there. Parents not being there. These are good. Breakups. Like broken people set themselves up to be broken up, or break. Have to experience breakups. Like when you're a whole person, you know who or what should be able to hold you, who are capable of holding you. Right. A whole person says. I know for a fact I'm too young for X, Y and Z. I know for a fact that this person not meant for me. Like most breakups can start can stop when you break down. Breaking down film, you break down film to do what? Study. Study. So if you have a history of knowing how to break down, you won't find yourself broken down or set up to be in a breakup that breaks you down. Right. Because you know how to break down film. You know how to take time and say, you know what? That mannerism just kind of gives the illusion that this person may be uh, uh, sexual or, or this uh, minor adjustment, the way he looks, the way she does this kind of shows that she's insecure. And I already know that a breakup is inevitable. 
Or I know for a fact if I break down my own film and realize that, that I'm emotional, that I'm not whole, that I'm insecure, that I'm going to be too overbearing for someone and that someone's going to get tired of me eventually and then that person inevitably is going to break up with me. So I can avoid all this if I know how to break down film. I can avoid breaking uh, breakups and the emotional heavy laden because when that breakup happens, now all of a sudden all the emotions for the reason why I even got into the relationship is now compounded on top of it, the actual breakup. So all that can be avoided if I know how to break down my own film and realize, you know what? I tell every young man right now, man. Don't get too serious with someone because you can't even provide for that someone. Do you even know what it's like to be able to pay the emotional debt of a girl who has daddy issues? Do you know what, how much it costs to compensate for, for the emotional need or the lack of self-control a person may have? That's too much that you, none of you all can handle. None of you all can handle that. Most adults, y'all got parents in your house right now about to break up. Y'all got parents in your house right now who are struggling with this because they're heavy laden. They never came to Jesus for themselves. I tell people only Christ can complete you. So whatever emotional trauma, emotional holes in your life, you got to let God pass them up. Before a wall is painted, they do what? Anybody who did construction. So, for instance, if I put up a sheet, a sheet, a sheet rock or the, uh, whatever that thing's called and I put nails in there. Can you see the nails? What do they do with the nail holes? They get the patch. They get the white stuff and they, they cover every hole so you can't see the hole. You got to be like that wall and say, hey, man, I, before you paint on me, God, before you make a masterpiece on me, God, before you make me match the room, God, I need you to cover all these holes and make it smooth. Because if not, then you're going to be asking someone, you're going to be asking someone who has no history in carpentry, no history in sheetrock, no history or whatever to patch something they can't patch. So some people just got to say, you know what? And I'm setting myself up for an inevitable breakup that's going to break up emotions that I use this relationship to cover. A lot of people are just walking around with band-aids. Like that person you with right now is just a band-aid. <laughs> that friend is just a band-aid. Can you cover me while I'm bleeding? The only one who can cover you while you're bleeding was the one that already bled for you. And who can show you the holes in his hand and say, you know what? I'm no longer bleeding. I know what the experience is and I can help you out. Next one was what? Careers? Some people are heavy laden about careers, man. Like, like the world is like, oh, how can I get ahead? How can I be the CEO? How can I be a partner in here? How can I be successful? That's too much work. Man, I used to pursue career. I mean, right now, man, I'm chilling, man. Right now, like, when you in your calling... You don't labor like the world labors because, you know, God makes your crooked path straight. You know, for a fact that you don't got to, you know, most people who care too much about careers, they do what do they boss? They brown nose. Brown nose means your nose up their butt. Everything they want you to do. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, sir. Because you want to please people to get to where you got to go. Man, if you just love God and, and work hard and be effective and efficient in your work. You know, about your so people are heavy laden about. Success. Last but not least is what parents that being there. I used to be very upset because my dad wasn't there, quote unquote, until I got older. Until I realized that if my dad was in my life, well, not, not necessarily my life, he was in my life. He just wasn't in the house. Right. If he was in the house, would I even be the person I am today? 
Sometimes an absent father is better than some people's present father. There's people right now whose father's in the house and is more held in the house because that parent is there, mom or dad. Sometimes it's actually better for Papa to be there. It's better for mom not to even be there because when you get older, you'll be like, I see why God removed that person because that person was there. Would I even be where I'm at right now today? They're heavy laden because they think that I would not be a success because I had, I had a broken home. God is the best replacement. And so when you understand this scripture, you'll begin to see that you got to everyone's going somewhere. What are places, what are two or three things people go to to feel better besides God? Where do people typically go? As Bible says, come to me. Where do people normally go to? Music. And why music? And, and these, some of these things you're going to say are not necessarily bad. Some people go to music, why? Because, you know, why? So I just want to hear from you all. Yep, yep. Or to escape. The thing about it is, wherever you go to where you're, when you're vulnerable, ends up contributing a voice to your life. If I'm vulnerable, and the first place I go to is music, how can that be dangerous? Yes, where? Because of who, who or what you're listening to, right? So because of who I'm listening to, I got to understand that there's a science and a formula and everything. So if a young man or a young girl goes to music when they're vulnerable, then the voice and the vision of the, of the individual goes inside of you. That's why I tell people sometimes you got to be very careful how you open yourself up to. Who you open yourself up to. Demons transfer. Demons move. So, for instance, usually when I, uh, uh, um, I, get, I get this analogy to last year class. Like, when I shake someone's hand, I shake a hand, uh, uh, out. I take a dominant position. I don't just open myself up. When I give hugs, I usually go like this. You don't want to open. Like, openness is like I open a door. And it's like, if I don't take a dominant position, like if I don't, if I don't set the tone physically, then I'm, let, I'm, I'm not letting that spirit know that, that this, you can't occupy this. Some of us, we just be open to everybody, hugging everybody, dapping everybody, listening to everybody. You can't open your ears to everyone because when you open your ears to certain people, now their voice and the vision of their music gets inside of you. And right now you act, you talk, you think like your favorite artist. Because whatever is the soundtrack of your life right now will determine what type of track you'll be on in your future. I remember key moments of my life who I went to. When I told you when I went to Nigeria and that girl broke up with me or that we, uh, we, I thought we was going to get back together or whatever and I was on the plane in Nigeria and then God was like, check uh, your Facebook and when I got in Nigeria and I got the internet going, um, the, the Holy Spirit told me this young lady's in a relationship. I said, no, I was just in Atlanta with her. Because Atlanta has Nigerian embassy. And so I had to go get my, I forgot what it's called. What's the thing you have to travel? Uh, visa, visa. I had to go to Atlanta to get my visa to go to Nigeria. We went to, we went to, um, we went out that night. Where we go? We went to AHA. I thought we was about to make it happen again. I was like, all right, bet. We about to get back together, right? 
I get about a, day, a couple of days later, I'm on the plane in Nigeria. The Holy Spirit tells me on the plane, this young lady's in a relationship. I said, but, but Holy Spirit, we was just at IHOP. How are we at IHOP and we're talking about maybe us being together and they come to find out I was on the plane and I said, I right, bet. Soon as I got on Facebook when I got internet, the first thing on my news feed was such and such is in a relationship. So guess who I was playing music-wise the whole time? Neo. I was playing art, like, like those breakup love songs type of deal because now that became the whole soundtrack of me in Nigeria because of an incident. Right. And now that person's voice and vision. And then when I got petty, because we 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 petty, I was like, I got to play some Jay-Z now. man. I got to play some music that's going to motivate me. And all of a sudden now I became selfishly ambitious just to prove to her that you lost a good one. Now you see how one subtle moment can get you and you like, oh, I'm making money, though, but you making money for the wrong reasons. And so music is dangerous because if I open myself up to music that has the wrong voice and the wrong vision, if I go to this first, I could be in an emotional hearse. I could be in a place where I'm rehearsing the visions and the voice of these individuals. That's why you got to be real honest about who you're mimicking right now, because I promise you a good percentage of you is who you listen to music wise uh, uh, motivational wise, etc. What's another thing that people go to before they go to God, if they even go to God? Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are who all who labor and are heavy laden, I give you rest." Where do people normally go to, thinking they're going to find eternal, earthly rest? In we said music. What's one other thing? We'll stop there after that one. I mean, we'll, we'll we won't do any more after that. Hmm. People, what you about to say, Miles? So people and drugs. People go to people because people, I can see people. <laughs> it's hard to go to God for, for, it's probably hard for you to fathom going to God because God ain't like, I, I can't just dap up God. I can't just lay in God's arms. I just can't, I just can't run and give God a hug. I just can't go and say, God, can we go hoop? You know, I wish so. there was times when I, was, I wish me and God could just go hoop. Because sometimes when you hoop with your friend, it's therapeutic. You know, you're out there in the gym. You know, you wish God can rebound for you. And you don't even got to talk. You're like, God, appreciate you taking a step back. And you want God to rebound for you. Like, we don't have that. So we go to people. But if we go to people first, what happens? What are some dangerous things that can happen? Not dangerous. But what could be some heavy laden things that can possibly happen when we go to people for rest? Huh? Wrong advice. What's another one? One more. Judgment. Judgment. How many people right now? I remember one time I went to a person for advice about something in business, right? And then I did what they said. What they said didn't work. And I came back to them and said, hey, what you told me didn't work. And they was like, oh. I was like, oh. <laughs> then I learned. Then I learned. I said, you know what? People, listen. There's a difference between God advice and people advice. Now, a big portion, like if you if you go to people who are wise, who are seasoned, 85%-90% of their advice will probably be effective for you. But 10% is, is still dangerous. That's why some things, when people come back some things, I'll tell them, go talk to God about it. Like, listen what I gotta say, but take what I say to God. 
Because he knows more details than I know. And sometimes when people, when I'm giving advice to people, they don't tell me the whole story. <laughs> I can't advise you on what to do because I ain't know what you did. <laughs> like, like, people ain't going to tell me, like, Mr. Ezzy, man. Man, I, I was just, I was ratchet, I was ratchet, I was tripping. They're going to be like, well, she did this and what should I do? Or he did this and what should I do? I'm like, are you really giving me the full story? You know, because how can I truly advise you 100% if you're only giving me 20% of the story? So no matter what advice I give, I'm like, man, go talk to God about that, man. Talk to God a little bit about that. Spend time with that. Because I don't want to be your God, right? But people... There's some people that, like, if you go if you go to some parent right now or uncle right now or aunt right now, they're going to be like, baby, don't worry about that. Go hustle, hustle, get your money and prove them wrong. Or they'll give you wrong advice like, um, yeah, baby, you, you, should be, you should be this when you grow up. Or, or I think you should do that. When, like, that's, that's all good. It sounds good, but it may not be good. Because financially, it may be a good thing, but it may be wrong advice. Some people, judgment, like... There are certain people you will never go to for advice anymore. Why? They judge you. Like, that's why some Christians messed up, man. Like, when people come to me, man, you rarely hear a scripture from me. Like, I ain't going to give you 50 scriptures like, man, the Bible says if you... It's like, fam, nobody wants to hear the word. They just want to hear... They just want you to hear their words. And after you hear their words, then they may be receptive to your words. But drugs, people go to drugs for rest, people go to people for rest, people go to music for rest. But that, all these different things will only make you at rest temporary. I hope, yeah, I'm not really good at spelling or something. Temporarily. God can have you at rest always. He says, come to me all who labor and heavily and I will give you rest. Like <clears throat> the goal in life is to make all your decisions from rest. Most people make decisions from stress. And that's dangerous. Let's keep going. Another verse says, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, um, let the thief, oh, hold on, that ain't wrong. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Remember that, work of the Lord, knowing that in the, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Some people right now, their souls are not at rest, their mission not to reach souls for eternal life. And their issue is, is that they're not doing the work of the Lord. What is God's work for you to do? Because I got right here, God's work will never have you uh, feel overworked. God's work will never make you feel overworked. That means this. If you're pursuing your purpose, there's a rest about it. And you won't overwork with it. Now, you can, you can make a decision to overwork like I did in ministry. I was called into ministry. But there was a time between when I was 23 and 29 when I overworked because my soul wasn't at rest. I wanted to be successful. I wanted millions of subscribers. I wanted to be a millionaire by 25. There was so many selfish, ambitious things that crept into God's work for me that made God's work overwork me. But if I'm in pace with God, it says that in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. It didn't say work of God. It didn't say uh, that in the God, your labor be in vain. What is the difference between God and Lord? Oh, no verses. What's the difference between God and Lord? God means the supreme. 
God. <laughs> Top of the food chain. <laughs> Big dog. The OG. <laughs> God. Lord means responsible. The reason why people's souls are not saved or souls are not working for beauty eternal life because they haven't made God, God or Lord. God means you're the supreme in my life. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. God, I know you're supreme and that fear humbles me. Like you're God. Meaning that like when you look at this word here, there has to be something that says, I didn't stop tripping. <laughs> you haven't been in trouble with your mama, your daddy. And they got that belt in one hand. You trembling when you was a kid. I don't know if y'all getting popped right now, but some of y'all get them hands and you trying to duck and your mom's got the little something. But when your mom is there, your dad's there, you know you're in trouble. You're shaking. You're like, oh man, I'm trembling. <clears throat> that moment that you have with your parent is going to be nowhere close than when you stand for The reason why people don't really respect God like that <laughs> is because God ain't striking people down with lightning every time they make a mistake. If God did that, people will fear him, but they'll fear him the wrong way. I just fear you because I don't want to be struck by lightning, right? But the reason why God is, the reason why people take advantage of God is because God is merciful right now. God is wrathful. People understand that God's a God of wrath. Do you know that it is his mercy and his grace that's holding back his wrath on us? Like, God ain't just this cute, cuddly, teddy bear person. He's a consuming fire. He is, he is someone that's serious about life. Like when you meet someone that's serious, like for instance, when someone's serious about basketball, you bring a honey bun in front of them, they're going to look at you like you disrespected them. Nah, fam, what you? You an enemy of me if you're trying to get something in me that's going to hinder me from being successful. So God is saying, The only reason why I haven't wrecked havoc on all these people is because of what my son did. And I'm merciful. I'm gracious. But there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time when that saying on this side of mercy and grace. On this little, uh, what sandy sand thing? What these things called? Hourglass. When that last sand drop, and Jesus makes one move off his chair, Michael got his sword ready. Gabriel got his horn ready, and Gabriel sounds that trumpet, and Michael and all the heavenly hosts. You see, fifteen million white suburbans. <laughs> Lined up on that sky, you see, and you hear that. We talking we suburbans. We talking about them white trucks. We talking about the, the the motorcade that follows the president. I don't I don't think they coming back with horse. I think they coming back with some tanks. I think they coming going to have the eastern sky lined up with some white suburbans, tinted windows, guys, angels on top here coming back. When that last sand drops, and the those who are in Christ, the dead in Christ rise, and those who are alive and remain meet him in the air. The rest is wrecking havoc. Let me tell you something. I'm a loving guy. Someone touched my door, I'm killing them. Someone touched my wife, I'm putting a bullet in the head. That's serious. That means if 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 there's a merciful side of me, graceful side of me, but if you mess with mines, I have a prison ministry and won't care less about it. Right? That's the mentality. He said, man, I love y'all. 
But there's coming a time where judgment has to happen. And we look at God as love. God is love. God is love, 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 love. That's cool, but you cannot really honor someone's love if you don't have no respect for their wrath. Because I honor and respect that he bout that life, that one day I'm going to have to visually see him bout that life, then I can truly honor his love. That while you being this wrathful God, by you being this God who, who will wreak vengeance, who will come back and redo, renew and redeem, but you still pursued me? And I'm in this category, but did, did, did God spare the firstborn of the Egyptian children? God was like, if you don't got the blood on your doorposts, if you don't got the blood of my lamb on you, I'm taking your firstborn. David was a man of God's own heart and David messed up. And what happened to David's lineage? That's Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, that even makes it more worse because if I have grace and mercy now. So all I'm trying to say is that God means he's supreme and my respect of his title allows him to be the Lord of my life. That's why it says um, the work of the Lord. I got to do what he wants me to do. He's the Lord over my life. So if God says, don't date her, don't date him. God says, don't go to that school. God says, do this. I listen. <laughs> Not because I'm scared of him, but because he knows what's best for me. So the work you do in the Lord, meaning what he gives you the grace for. Let me tell you something. Grace, you need grace for your race. You need grace for your race, meaning that God has a certain amount of grace giving, given to what is his purpose for you. So if God's purpose for me is to marry my wife, there's a supernatural grace with us because we was meant to be with each other. But if I marry somebody in disobedience, it's going to be extra unnecessary toil. Like, like if I would have if I would have went to another school and God wanted me here, at that school I'll be wrestling unnecessarily. Like this is this why is this extra tough? Why is this extra difficult? Why is it not smooth? But when you in the work of the Lord, favor, grace, mercy abounds. Um, it says knowing that in the Lord, when I'm doing stuff in his responsibility of me, when I do stuff in his in his leadership over me, it says my labor is not in vain. Do you know there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, a lot of people in ministry? A lot of people, period, whether they was an accountant, whether they was a businessman, a woman, whatever it is, are going to stand before God. And God's going to be like, your work was in vain. Vain means it profited nothing. Bro, why do you think I don't got time to stand before God and God be like, you did a lot, bro. <laughs> you did good. But these didn't get no eternal life because of you. That's why I go so hard with this, because I'm supposed to be here. I'm in the Lord's work. So right now, I know that I'm going to reap. Whatever y'all do in life, I get a percentage. <laughs> Not of your money, but a percentage of what you do with your life. Like, like God's going to say, man, what you did for Elijah, what you did with that person, what you did with that student, what you did with that person. You sow seed, and that person got eternal life. That's on my credit. That was a part of my investment of time. So you have to think about that, that. What am I laboring for or want to labor for, going to college for, 
graduate to do, is it in the Lord or will it be in vain? I'll read the other ones a little bit later. Um, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and talk about that. And see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Right now, I want to be able to, even though I may have sold, maybe even though I may be uh, raping or whatever, I want to rejoice with the others as well. Verse 37 says, for here the saying holds true. One sows, another reaps. That means I sow a seed. I reap it later. But if I sow a seed in Sanala and she gets her life saved, I sowed, God reaped, so we rejoice together. Because it's happened simultaneously. Um, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. I'll end it with this. God is sending us to reap where we did not labor. Meaning, the best classroom is to learn from what? The best place to learn, which classroom is the best one to learn from? We know this. Experience or observation. Which one's the best teacher, the best class to be in? Observation. If I, if, because there's a lot of people who learned from experience but got a child out of it. <laughs> They got a baby daddy out of it. Like they learned their lesson, but you still got that blessing. <laughs> like, 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 if you do things the right way, you don't have to carry it the wrong way. And what I mean by this, oh, I learned that I probably should save myself a marriage. Or I pro- oh, I learned, but then all of a sudden now you're itching. And, and all of a sudden now uh, you got a woman and you got to deal with for the rest of your life. Now you got a kid out of it. You know, the kid's a blessing, but that could have been later, later, later given, right? But the point that I want to get into is that it says others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Right now, as a believer, getting souls into eternal life, Jesus done labored. The prophets already labored. John the Baptist have already labored for what I'm doing right now. The flip side of it is that you can enter into my labor, meaning that when people come to me for entrepreneurial advice, like, you know, you can avoid certain things. Come into my labor. Like if you're a person struggling with your walk with God and you're struggling with understanding how to hear from God, struggling with all the different things of God, enter into my labor. Hey, Mr. Ezzy, how did you how do you pray? Mr. Ezzy, how do you hear from God? Mr. Ezzy, how do how does someone hear from God? Mr. Ezzy, how do I uh, develop my spiritual gift? Like enter into my labor. Don't go to people who haven't labored in that area. Find people that you can walk into their labor with, it, with questions saying, how, how does one develop their relationship with God? How does one get close to God? How does one reach souls for eternal life? How does one work and not be uh, heavy laden? How does someone get success without sweat? How does one enter someone's labor? Because others have labor. That's the benefit. What's the purpose of, of being partners with someone that don't have no experience? Right now, whatever it is that you want to do in life... And find someone who's already labored and find someone who's a believer in that labor to a degree because they'll teach you how to do it and how to get it for eternal worth and eternal value. Because the world would teach you, right, I'm, I'm going to show you how to do business, but they're going to give you certain mentality shifts and, and re-alter your mental settings and you'll be pursuing stuff for the wrong reasons. But if you find someone that says, okay, you're successful. I need to enter your labor because also the flip side is somebody will enter your labor right now. 
your children and your children's children are in your labor right now. What that means is this. What I did 10 years ago, 14 years before I even met my wife, that labor I did, my wife walked in. She don't have my wife right now. Don't have to work a job. That's 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 refreshing. What my wife went through last year, and she was like, "Babe, I do not want to work." I said, "You don't have to work. You entering into my labor. That's why I go to work every day because I'm laboring for her to rest in my labor." Now, my daughter is not going to have to worry about a dad who dies off early. She don't have to worry about a dad who is is going to leave her. She she's entering. She was birthed into my labor. So whatever I did 15 years ago, she's eating off of book sales that I wrote, that I labored in. And the beautiful thing about laboring, labor and creating stuff that will make money for you while you sleep. So while everybody in my household sleep, whatever I did 10, 12 years ago, it's cashing checks every 28th, every 21st, every 7th of the month. I'm getting big checks coming in that, that I've done years ago. So now they're in my labor and you got to labor differently so they won't have to labor with you. What's the purpose of marrying a woman and you don't got your stuff together? And now she has to work two or three jobs. You got to work two or three jobs. Y'all both too tired to enjoy life. So labor well, enter someone else's labor so they can teach you how to labor from a place of rest so that you can become your best. So when people are walking into your life as a man and they put your last name on the back of your, or their jersey, you know for a, fact, for, for a fact there's no sense of urgency. They can rest. So why are you studying in school? Why are you pursuing what you're pursuing? Because if you're pursuing it from a place of stress, you will stress those who love you out. You will stress your wife out. You stress your husband out. You will stress your kids out. But when you're a person of rest, when you rest, you laugh more. The atmosphere is different. People want to be around you. So who around you can you enter their labor? The one person you should enter their labor right now is Jesus. Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into your labor. What you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, I'm arresting what you did for me. God ain't, Jesus ain't still working. Jesus ain't like, all right, put me on the cross again. Well, I'm Jesus like, man, just, walk, just step into my labor, what I've already done for you. And I'm going to show you what I want you to do. So when you do it well, you will live a, a life of wellness. Any questions? These messages might go over your head, over your head, so that's why I record them. So when you're 22, 23 years old, you'll be like, man, I'm stressing out. These videos will be on YouTube. Because I know some of these things I'm teaching right now, your spirit feels it, but your mind may not understand it. But I hope that you guys are understanding um, these things that I share with you because I know for a fact it's going to help you all because y'all three years away from graduating. Hmm. Yeah, 10th, 11th, 12th. Man, the, y'all about to be in a real world where your decisions actually, nobody can really cover for them. And if you don't learn these principles now, you're going to be stressed out. <laughs> and, and, and that outside these walls, outside these doors, life will punch you in the face, hit you in the jaw, and don't care how it bleeds, how you feel. Life is mean, man, when your life ain't clean. When your life is cleaned up and you love the Lord and all that stuff, it don't matter what the punch. You've seen the Matrix, right? When that person shot the gun at Neo and he moved the bullets. That's how a Christian's supposed to be. In real life, pop out, gun comes quick. But in your place in God, you're like, man, I saw that a mile away. Move it out the way, move it out the way and be about my business or his business.
All right, we're done.